FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Mayika Mulit and Maritza Mulit, and they're joining me to talk about their book, which is fantastic and receiving lots of praise. It's called One of the Good Ones. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having us. I saw you on the Seth Meyer show, and I'm like, okay, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! You we know, are so nervous. <laughs> you really? I mean, your energy was fantastic. And which one of you did you work on the Seth Meyer show? One of you? I I'm Maritza. Okay. I um, was an intern at NBC News and a news associate, which is like a fancier intern. So I was working at Thirty Rock for a few years. So would see the Seth Meyer's folks. Right. I'd probably be a little nervous myself. I mean, that was, but it was a great conversation. Yes, it just totally flowed. Um, it's so interesting because since Maritza used to work there, we were like, okay, this can go many different ways. Maritza was ready to say, um, like, she knew all of the best places to cry in. Aww. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was wonderful it was, places. <laughs> oh, no. Under so and so desk really in the closet. Exactly. Oh God, that's crazy. <laughs> well, when did you both decide you wanted to become this sister duo and write together? You know, at first we could not place the moment when we decided to do this. And it was only recently when we were like, you know what, people are going to keep asking us this. So we should actually know the reason. And it was a few years ago um, I had just graduated with my master's in journalism and Mayika had been in the trenches in corporate America. And both of us were like, oh dear, what are we doing? Like, sure. what, what, you know, where are we going? I mean, is this yeah. what we wanted to have been doing when we were younger because we spent so much time reading and loving mm -hmm. books? Like, what are, what are, let's just see if we can change something. And then we decided then to like try writing because we had always um, written, but never finished any type of project seriously at all. Mm -hmm. And then because we were so desperate, um, we decided to just give writing a shot and it worked out. Was it, was it desperate because you were just unsatisfied with your professional lives? Yeah, I hated corporate America. I was like, yeah. oh, no, I, I cannot see myself doing this for the next 40, 50, 60 years. You know years. what? I hear you. I was co in corporate training and development. I hear you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I was very disillusioned very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And what was the process like for writing together? I mean, were you in agreement? Did you both come up with different ideas and then add to that, like ad lib? Or how did it work? Yeah, well, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, writing together, we had we have to come up with a process for us to be able to write together. Sure. So, I am what you know in I guess writing circles, folks call a pantser. So I write by the seat of my pants, and Maritza yeah. is a plotter, so she has to plot everything out. But I had to adopt Maritza's plotting ways because we don't actually share a brain, even though we sometimes feel like we do. <laughs> <laughs> So we needed to, uh, so like in working together, we create this really extensive outline. We know what's happening when, and then we just hop in and it's not split up by chapter or scene or character. We, we could, you could literally have us both writing the same chapter. And what we do is make sure we read the other person's writing 
inject our own sensibilities, comb through it. And then that way it sounds cohesive as if one person wrote it, but it's never really occurred to us that, hey, you don't have to write like this. Like you could write by chapter or by character, but yes. it's never worked out that way for us. Yes. So when um, Maritza has, you know, has planned it and you're writing according to that plan, you might come up with your own unique twists. So you just interject them. Yes. And Maika is also planning. Like we both um, will do like independent brainstorming, thinking about the story, but then we come together and like sit at the table and talk through um, what the plot of the story is going to be, who the characters are going to be, that sort of thing over a period of days and weeks together. Got it. So let's talk about this book. I want to jump in. I, there were so many very important timely themes did you when you set out to write this did you know you wanted to address these themes or did this evolve yeah i mean we knew that we wanted to tackle racial injustice in america um and it's it's hard for you to have that conversation in the contemporary without taking a look at the past yes so we knew very early on that we are going to be incorporating the family members of our characters from the past so we could show how much work we've done as you know you know the society really but how much work is still left to be done and um we were really just trying to trying to get that out you know trying to focus on that but i think as we started writing it did evolve more so to focus on allyship and um different allyship as well so we have allyship along racial lines you know like if you are of the uh, majority group like how are you supporting black folks and other marginalized people right but then it also started to take a look at um you know uh supporting the lgbtq plus community because one of our main characters kezi is a lesbian and she's not out to her family because she grows you know she's growing up in this religious household so it was important for us to make sure that um you know, we were kind of spanning and connecting all of these bridges. I think it's a great book um, for teens, preteens. Is that the target audience you were intending? Yes, our book is for young adults, mm-hmm. but anyone could read it. I mean, if you're sure. a certain age, definitely though. Right, of course. And one thing that what struck me is so interesting how you interjected the 1948 edition of the Negro Motorist Green Book. How did that come about? Yes. So Maika will say that okay. she knew about the green book before us, but, or why am I saying us? Maika <laughs> knew about the green book before I did. Okay. <laughs> but a few years ago, um, I heard about the green book for the first time. And even though it wasn't a surprise that such an artifact would have to exist, it was still interesting to me that, um, the green book and other products like it uh, had to be around in order for black people to travel a little bit more safely in this country. So when we're thinking of what our next story could be after our first book, we thought like, oh, what if we had a story where we incorporated the Negro Motors green book because we were just so drawn to this item. Yeah. And um, like Nika mentioned, because there you can't really have um, conversations about race and prejudice in the contemporary times without looking to the past and how things have been set up. Um, We decided to link 
the usage of the Green Book with uh, ancestors of our main day characters, Happy, Kezi, and Jenny, to um, people in the past who had to use it to actually get by versus them going on a road trip and kind of using it as a, like a historical marker just to note where they are in their journeys. Right. I thought it was a very important piece of the story and I just love how you, you know, intertwined it. Thank, Thank you. you. I really did. Um, tell me about how guilt plays an important part in your book. Yeah. I mean, so this story takes place after 17 turned 18 year old Kezi Smith ends up dying under mysterious circumstances while attending a social justice rally. And, you know, her sisters, Happy and Jenny are um, essentially they commemorate her because Kezi was a history buff. And in addition to being a history buff, she had this um, really big YouTube channel and YouTube presence. So Happy and Jenny are embarking on this journey and they're using the Negro Motors Green Book as their guide. But as they're going on this trip, um, Happy in particular is starting to realize that she didn't know so many things about her sister. And she starts to contemplate about, you know, all the ways that she essentially kept her sister at arm's length. And she is walking through that process of, you know, grieving her sister and saying, oh my gosh, you know, she's passed away in a very public and tragic way. Not only are we forced to grieve on a national scale, but now I have to contend with the fact that I didn't know my sister, you know, because very early on in the story, Happy learns that Kezi um, was a lesbian and she's trying to grapple with that, that her sister didn't feel comfortable enough to come out to her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's something that that can actually happen where you have so many things that are left unsaid because you imagine that you have so much time with somebody and then something tragically comes along that cuts their life short. And, you know, in this case, it's uh, racism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's just, it's, it's like she's having to grapple with the fact that her sister isn't around, that she didn't know her as much as she thought as she, she did. And then Happy is also considering the fact that she herself would not be considered one of the good ones in the way that her sister Kezi is. And so she's feeling this, like, well, why did it have to be Kezi? Why couldn't it have been anyone else? And if it was anyone else, if it was someone like her, would they not consider her one of the good ones? Because, you know, she says something like she skipped school like she was allergic to desks. Yes. So there's a lot of guilt throughout the story, for sure, that the characters are unpacking. What, what do you, um, in unfolding the story like this, do you feel like there's an important lesson to people to, um, to say the unspoken or to get to know those you think might not be willing to open up like unconditional love like do you think there's a message here yes i think that one of the good ones shows you that you have to earn someone's trust Mm -hmm. like people aren't going to just automatically open up themselves and be vulnerable with someone without that person um earning that trust without proving that they deserve to have it. So um, you should try to show that you are open, that you are welcoming, that you are accepting so that you can have like the best relationship possible that you can have with your loved ones because you don't know how much time you have with them, honestly. 
Right. Um, did you, was it, did I read this correctly? Did this story come about or begin to come about after you lost your grandmother? Our great aunt, our grandma's still here with us. Thank goodness. Yes. So but, what happened? Yeah. So we um, were at the funeral of our great aunt, our grandmother's yes. sister, and we were walking um at the cemetery and looking at some of the names on a mausoleum wall and we literally just were frozen in place because we saw a name that we recognized and it was Trayvon Martins um and I mean he became a household name all over the country and it was uh a topic and an issue, an event, a person who really hit home with us because we are from Miami mm-hmm. and like the schools that he went to, those were our home schools. If we hadn't gone to another school and like, it just was a very difficult um, time, you sure. know? So we just were just struck by like, you know, seeing the name of this young black boy who was killed just te- in such a terrible public way, mm-hmm. um, whose killer didn't face any uh, true justice. And um, just just being there really, it, it really stayed with us. Um, and then because we are the two older sisters of four women and we're four sisters who are very, very tight, um, we decided um, when we were writing one of the good ones to write from the perspective of a uh, of a of a girl, a black girl who would lose her life in such a terrible public way, and explore what that does for the family members who are left behind. Because um, it was just a few days ago that Sabrina Fulton was, uh, you know, releasing a picture of Trayvon Martin and wishing him another happy birthday. You know, like yeah. life goes on for um, the loved ones of these people who leave us too soon, and they have to contend with, you know, moving forward without someone they thought would be around for a very, very long time. So right. um, it, it it was definitely an incredibly hard book to write, mm-hmm. to even talk about still now, yeah. but it was just very important for us to, to, to do this, you know? What else would you like people to know without giving too much away about the book? Hmm. Well, one, one thing that we would like people to know without giving too much away is that one of the good ones is a thriller. Um, It was important for us to include a twist to kind of have the reader consider what it means to be an ally, right? When they say that someone is one of the good ones, what does that mean? And when you elevate only a certain type of Black person, do you think that you're doing more benefit when really you're doing harm? So we hope that readers who go into it, especially if you're thinking about this as, oh, this is going to be this kind of story that focuses on the contemporary, that when, when you get to the twist, it might cause you to reconsider some things, right? Because, you know, there are some folks who might be like, oh, well, the twist might make it feel, um, you know, they might feel a way about the twist for whatever the reason. But I want people to really grapple with like, why are you not okay with the twist? Or why are you okay with it, right? Because right. It, it, it means a lot and it talks about allyship and who um, 
should be remembered and how and all of that. So I'll, I'll stop talking. So I don't, I'm like tiptoeing around. That's <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm always scared. <laughs> I'm always scared Mike is going to say something and I'll be like, no, no don't say that. <laughs> just tackle me through the computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I would want uh, readers to know is that doing research for uh, one of the good ones uh, was actually pretty fun sometimes. We learned really interesting facts about Black history that we had never learned about in school about like black cowboys and like an all black um, uh, tank battalion uh, that was very um, consequential in World War II and um, was like in very major battles and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really cool. Um, Maika learned about Stagecoach Mary. I know that's her favorite uh, fun fact to talk about. And we were able to inject some of these um, uh, interesting tidbits throughout the story. And since it's fiction, we were able to, you know, kind of put a twist on it or make it our own thing too. But we hope that people uh, read about what happens and then get inspired enough to do some more research on them. I feel like this is a great book to interject the importance of history, changing history, changing the way history is, is written because I mean, growing up to me, history was very boring and there's so much more to history, obviously. So many stories that have been left out. Absolutely. And that's, and that's something that Ke is really important to Kezi, right? And really what it shows us is that history 1000% repeats itself. Right. As you're going through one of the good ones, you're going to see the characters in the modern day in some of the very same situations that their family members were in the past. And it's astounding to see how much has not changed. And that was something that really stood out to us as we were going through this research process. And I think part of why we are doomed to repeat history is because we are not properly taught history. So, you know, it then becomes this thing where, especially like writing a book like this and as a black author, you're kind of like, well, I have to include all the things that we didn't learn in school. But then also, you know, we have um, creative license as authors to change things the way that we want. Right. But, you know, it's, it's really important for us that people see how much has changed, how much hasn't, and why it hasn't, and how even on, the, on an individual level, you still have power to make a change. And um, yeah, it's just you know, going through this process, talking about the book, seeing things develop in our society these last few months, it's been a very surreal process. But I hope that, you know, one of the things that Maritza has mentioned before is that people don't just buy books like these, that they actually read them, right? Like, you know, the summer of racial injustice as it's being coined, even though these conversations have been around for so long, yeah. people were like, oh yeah, I'm gonna post my black square. I'm gonna buy these books. But did you read them? You know, we need right. you to read them. Exactly. And then we need you to go a step further and apply the things that you're reading and then make sure that you're continuously learning because it's an ongoing process. I call it becoming a better human. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. I really do. I, I did a segment uh, late last year on, on this other show I do. And it was the theme was uh, becoming better humans. What can we do, you know, to become better? Because we have yeah. so much to learn, you know. And yeah. we can always be better. Right. Well, do you find that you, um, I don't know how many, you're probably giving a lot of talks, a lot of Zoom talks, but I feel like you're 
inspiring young writers, young female black writers. That's a powerful place to be. Yeah. We're so excited about having the opportunity to do that, to serve as an inspiration Mm -hmm. Um, because growing up, we, there, there were so few of us, you know, I am so happy that there is just this wider canon that's being created about what is literature and what is good. And um, yeah, I, I just hope that girls, boys, people who don't identify with either gender are able to like look at us and just see that anything is possible. Like if we are able to be on our second book and talk about something that is so passionate to us with very interesting people that they see that that is also possible for them too, you know? Yeah, I feel super strongly about that. Like I I actually tweeted something about that like a, a few days ago and saying how, you know, the first author that I ever saw in real life was a white man. And I was in high school, like like sophomore, junior year. And it was totally um, mind boggling to me because he had attended our school. It's Brad Melzer, by the way, but he's like a mentor of ours now. But he had gone through our school and it just made me feel like, oh, wow, somebody who walked through these, you know, walls <laughs> could become a published author, then I can do it too. But I didn't, you know, see myself reflected in him physically because he's a white man and I had hair at the time. <laughs> but now... As, um, you know, as a, a, a Black woman, I'm just like, I know that there are young Black people specifically who are listening to us and who get to see us be our goofy selves, who get to see us talk about serious things, also injecting humor because, you know, that's the life that we want, like that they see themselves reflected in that and think, you know, I don't have to be the literary author who talks about things like this. I could yes. speak no in my regular, <laughs> my regular tone, write about things that matter to me. Yes, be and that there are people yourself. Who like it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on the fact that are you both getting your PhD right now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> you hear the laughter. It's like you have to laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> you remember that uh, the beginning of our conversation talking about how we want to avoid corporate work and life. Yes. But um, yeah, we just happen to be on the same time frame. I'm a first year PhD student in education at the University of Pennsylvania studying the best ways to enhance literacy practices in early learners. Great. Yes. (laughs) And I'm a PhD student at Howard University in their communications, culture and media studies department. I'm really interested in representation in media. Of course, this is our first semester, I mean, I'm sorry, our second semester of our first year. So who knows if the research interest will change, which apparently, you know, it's totally, it can totally happen. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's so nuts that we decided separately, like, yeah, let's, we're going to apply, not telling the other. And we're like, oh, we got in. Oh, we're starting at the same time. Oh, we didn't okay. tell each other. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a it was just kind of like, well, I think I want to do this. And, you know, we had talked about it and we're just like, you know, are we going to do it? And then eventually we were like, oh crap, we're studying for the GRE. Oh, we're filling out these applications. Oh, we're begging people to write us letters of recommendation. (laughs) And then it all just aligned at the same time. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, I could see you both teaching an amazing course, whether it's high school and college or whatever. 
Maika's a TA now. I'm a TA too, yeah. but Maika's more of a TA type of person. She like teaches classes and she's awesome. Yes. Yay. Yeah. And we it's love learning. Yeah. It's an opportunity to just learn for some years. That's, that's really cool. You bet. Yeah. Now you're yeah. te- obviously you're teaching just online. Yes. Yes. So I, I try to make it as engaging as possible. Like I tell my students, I'm like, I'm sorry, we're in COVID university right now, but <laughs> we're just gonna <laughs> kind of make it work as work as best we can. So, um, but it's, you know, it's been difficult and there, de- there are definitely so, like last semester, I think, we, you know, my class is mostly freshmen and last semester was a lot of freshmen, you know, their first semester in college and they thought they were going to be off living this free life. And here they are at home with their parents walking across their Zooms. <laughs> so I had to like, you know, just one day I scheduled, I was like, let's just have a gripe session. Like, let's get things off your chest. Cause I know that this is not happening anywhere else. And I know, cause I'm a student and some of my professors, I was just like, what's, I need, please help me stop. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to be the professor that I wish that I had when I was an undergrad. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, yeah. where can people find out more about you? You can find out more about us uh, at our website, maikaandmaritza.com. Yes. And if you are interested in um, finding out more about one of the good ones, you can go to one of the good ones book.com. Fantastic. Thank you yes. so much. Thank Thank you you. so much for having us.